This is Circling the Drain, a perimenopausal podcast about the period before you stop getting your period. We know that the name of our show sounds negative, but after a male doctor told our friend that as an aging woman, her aches and pains meant she was circling the drain, we knew we had to reclaim the phrase in the spirit of humor. Whether you're a returning listener or new to the pod, we love you with all of our hormones. Welcome to The Circle, and let the spin begin. For a woman getting older, cannot sleep, got random pain. In some ways you're wiser, bolder, but you're sweating. It's like rain. Search for answers, getting colder. They can't fix it, can't explain. Your anxiety will smolder. You've become a sex withholder. There's bursitis in your shoulder. Cause you're circling the drain. Circling the drain. Circling the drain. Circling Circling the drain. Down the drain. Hello, and welcome to Circling the Drain podcast. I'm Julia Granaki. I'm 46, and I know I'm in perimenopause because I have rosacea. And I'm Ellie Dvorkin Dunn. I'm 45, and I know I'm in perimenopause because I have visceral belly fat. So, Julia. <laughs> Tell me about your rosacea. I feel like we've talked about this like maybe really early on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about it again the other day. So listeners, like you have rosacea or you don't have rosacea. And whatever I was doing for most of my life, I was keeping it under control like for a very long time until I hit perimenopause because then I had my first hot flash and then the rosacea war began and I've had rosacea issues ever since. Now, recently, I've gotten it more under control since I started taking hormones. It's been better. But like sometimes I just get into work and I'm just like, oh, okay, like this is happening. You know, it could be from like wearing a mask, like it's irritating mm -hmm. or something like that. But all I think about now when it happens is like the permanent damage it's doing to my face when I see that I'm like, I have little like little vest, like blood vessels almost. Does it like permanently sometimes. burst blood vessels? It can. Yeah. It can cause like discoloration and stuff that just sort of lasts forever. So I try really hard to kind of keep it, you know, under control, which is why I go see Jennifer DeMeo right. for the treatments sometimes. Julia, I know we're not exactly the same. Our bodies are not exactly the same. We have some similar issues and some different issues, but I feel like you are exactly one year older than me. And then sometimes exactly one year after you, I have a symptom that you had a year ago and mm -hmm. it is visceral belly fat. And I want to start with a caveat by saying, I am not trying to equate my weight gain struggle with that of anyone else's. I'm a small human. I've always been a small human. Part of that means that a few pounds make a big difference on me. I also have very small breasts. So if I gain weight solely in my belly and my stomach comes out further than my boobs, it like really changes the shape of my body. And it's it's upsetting, whether you're big or small, whatever, whatever size you want to be, can be doggies. Doggies. I have dogs, everybody. Your dog also has visceral belly fat, which is why yeah, she does. she's affirming me. Anyway, the point is I've noticed in the past couple of months that I've gained pounds, but they're all in my stomach. And one mm -hmm. of the ways I first noticed this was, you know, high-waisted jeans have been like on trend for a while. They're probably like mm -hmm. off trend by the time this episode airs. But I put on some of my high-waisted jeans and like I kept noticing throughout the day that the zipper was slowly making its way down because my belly was pushing the zip. It was like, oh, I must come out. Let and it was out. like pushing its way down. 
Anyway, I know that there are lots of ways to tackle this. The way that I've chosen to approach it for now is I'm using my fitness pal, I'm tracking calories, and I know that tracking calories is like not always the best way, but what it does for me is it actually makes me eat better and make better choices. You know I am wont to grab for handfuls of Cheez-Its, for example. Mm -hmm. That's processed Mm -hmm. food, it's not healthy for you, it does nothing. And if I'm just grabbing handfuls, like I'm not looking at how much fat and calories I'm consuming. So when you track your calories, or at least when I do, it just makes me make a better choice. Like I'm hungry right now. I'm going to pick up this banana or this apple or this carrot instead of this handful of Cheez-Its. So we'll see. I've only been doing it for like a week and we'll see if it has any effect on my stomach itself. But you know, shit won't zip up and I don't like it. And I know that this is a perimenopausal thing. Like it's everywhere. You read about perimenopause, visceral belly fat, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to have it. I see you. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Mm-hmm. I align with everything you're saying. I would caution you about counting calories. You and I will have a conversation more about this offline because okay. this would take up the entire episode if we really wanted to dive into it. And that's not what today's episode is about. I'm not obsessing, about. to be yeah. clear. I'm not. No, I can tell. Yeah. Which is healthy. Yeah. It's really just like. It really just helps me make different choices. That's all. Understood. Like, and I think that's a good thing. I think when you yeah. you kind of can go off the rails for a while and get in a habit, you know, like every night since I stopped drinking, I go for my like sweet treat every night. Well, so now I haven't been going for my sweet treat. And guess what? Okay. That's not a bad thing to not no. need to have chocolate every single night at 9.30 p.m. So I'm not well, having Well, we can that. talk about that. We would talk about like sugar. We would talk about changing your macro consumption right. because calories – We're learning more and more that calories really aren't the solution. Also, it's not a long term. There's a time and a place for calorie counting. For sure. And in your particular instance, that's probably not the solution. But the fact that you're, but you just said the fact that you're just tracking what you're eating, I am all for tracking what you eat. Yeah. Again, we can talk more about that offline. And I'm sure that this is really good for listeners to hear. Listeners, if you've got opinions, problems that have to do with visceral body fat, we want to hear all about it. And also, you can go to my website at juliagwellness.com and get on my waiting list if you'd like to see me at some point when I'm fully up and running and in business. Exciting. I just plugged myself, Ellie. That's what you should be doing. Yeah. You should be plugging yourself because you're amazing at this and I can't wait until people get to go see you. Ellie, you're the best. Thank you. Okay. So... It's still National Mental Health Awareness Month. It is. And in the spirit of that, it's time for... That is not a thing! I love learning about things that are not actually things, so hit me. Okay. So there's a new beverage trend, stress-relieving drinks. These are beverages that claim to help you feel more calm and relaxed, and they have popped up everywhere as an alternative to the increase in booze consumption that was inspired by the anxiety of the pandemic. Unfortunately, my friends, I am here to ruin them by telling you that calming beverages are not a thing. They have attractive taglines like, drink your meditation and open a portal to peace And they contain ingredients like amino acids, such as L-theanine and L-tryptophan, which have been known to reduce stress and create a sense of calm, for sure. Some even have small doses of CBD or super herbs like ashwagandha, lemon balm, and ginseng, which have indeed been used in herbal medicine to treat stress. However, while these ingredients can of course be helpful, 
They appear in the beverages in such small doses that it's unlikely that consuming one will have much of an effect. To give you a sense, there might be 5 to 25 milligrams of CBD in your drink, whereas the recommended dose would be between 400 and 600 milligrams to have any kind of calming effect. So given that just a tiny fraction of the CBD will end up reaching your bloodstream, most drinks probably won't have an effect on your stress levels. So while they aren't going to hurt you and are certainly a better choice than a glass of wine or a vodka soda, they probably won't help you either. Also, if you're interested in any of the ingredients in those things, do your research, find out what works, and then like take it. As a supplement. But don't take it. Yeah, take it as a supplement. Or like if you want to try the ashwagandha, you know, actually get it in like an adaptogen like supplement right. or like, yeah. Okay. I Yeah. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. No. Well, that's wonderful transition to who we have on the pod. But before we do that, we'd like to recommend another podcast that is targeted to listeners like you. The Midlife with Courage podcast inspires and encourages the everyday woman over 40 to find her courageous confidence by sharing uplifting and empowering stories of other amazing women who have found a new passion in life. I said that in one breath. Amazing. Amazing. Whether they lost their identity in a role or career that didn't fit them, or they simply wanted more, these women broke down the chains that were holding them back and rose to a more true and authentic life that they are proud to live every single day. Host Kim Benoit is a 50-something wife, mother, and former nurse whose favorite response to You Can't Do That is Watch Me. Midlife with Courage comes out every Tuesday and can be heard wherever you listen to your podcasts. I love that. I've heard a few episodes and I can't wait to hear more. I love Mm. learning about how fearless women choose to not stay trapped by the choices they made in their younger years. It's never too late to start fresh and try new things. Agreed. Which brings us to today's guest, Ellie. Yes! Hilary Russo is the perfect example of someone who made a midlife shift. After two decades of media experience, she became a certified integrative nutrition holistic health coach and havening techniques practitioner, a cast member of Daily Burn 365, a professor of mass communications at St. John's University in New York City, and hosts her own podcast, Holistically Speaking. I don't even think that's all of it. She does 100 million things. Well, let's let her tell us about them. I will. While I sip my hemp-infused sparkling water without alcohol, now that I know better, Mm -hmm. I don't expect it to make me feel calm, but it is very tasty. Hilary Russo is the holistically speaking health coach. She is one of only 150 certified Havening Techniques practitioners in the United States and 500 in the world. Hilary studied directly under the founding doctors of Havening, who have called her a pioneer in the field. Trauma-informed and educated, Hillary has been nationally recognized as a leader and public figure for her work in holistic health. She is also a certified integrative nutrition holistic health coach, award-winning multimedia host journalist focusing on health and wellness. She's also a college professor at St. John's University in NYC and hosts the Holistically Speaking podcast, Conversations of Trauma to Triumphs Through Health, Healing, and Humor, a show that we love that you should all listen to. For sure. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Hillary. Wow. What an introduction. Thank you so much, ladies. I am so happy to be here circling the drain. I'm not sure I'm happy. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm happy to circle the drain. You got me. Everyone's circling We're the circling. drain. We're Everyone. all circling yeah. the drain every We're day. We're just trying to do it slowly and happily with yes. great big smiles on our faces or not. 
So let's begin as we always do with you stating your name, your age, whether you think you're in perimenopause and why or why not. Mm, Okay, here we go. My name is Hilary Russo. I am 49 years old and I think I'm going through perimenopause or menopause because I feel like I'm constantly stepping in and out of a yoga studio or rather a hot yoga studio and dressing mm-hmm. in layers has nothing to do with the weather. Mm-mm. Right. <laughs> that sounds like it. It's good. Welcome it's to my preparation. World. <laughs> you never know when you're going to have to rip something off. Oh, I have the jacket standing by just in case I get cold. And then I have another layer underneath this, which I'm hopefully not going to be stripping off, but we'll see what this turns into. We're audio-based, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We support all states of dress or undress. Yes, it's fine. It's true. Nakedness is okay, right? um, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, actually. Encouraged. Or, you know, know, yeah, we're all for it. Well, we have a whole, there's a whole other separate story about the nakedness, Ellie. It's true. We have a naked history. We have a naked history. Hillary, you are basically the entire reason I got my health coaching certification at IIN. In fact, for listeners out there, Hillary teaches in some of the modules. So that was fun seeing you there. I was like, Oh, I know her. I was like, that's Hillary. Anyway, but I think it's interesting how each of us find our mission and our focus. For example, mine is obviously supporting women through perimenopause and menopause. On your website, however, it says, own your story, heal your trauma, find your joy. Can you tell us about how brain candy and holistically speaking came to be and what you're about? Yeah, thank you for that. And it has been a pleasure watching you on your journey too, Julia, because you. when you reached out to me, I was really psyched because I saw how it it impacted me. And by the way, watching myself in those modules was one step up <laughs> because I did those right. modules before I even was an integrative nutrition health coach. So I was teaching That's myself. Right. Interesting. <laughs> and one of the modules was actually about hormone health. So try that out for size. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how I got into this, well, I mean, as far as for me, holistically speaking, I love wordplay. So holistic, holistic. And I realized that I'm really wanting to live in a holistic world. So being that I come from also a world of being in media for 25 plus years, I've never known life not in front of the microphone, not in front of a camera. It seemed like a really beautiful segue for me because I'm always speaking. My voice is my superpower and so is connection. Those are my two connections, superpower. My two superpowers are connection <laughs> and voice. Apparently not putting together a sentence is not one of them. <laughs> you're, you're in the right place for that, Hillary. It's fine. More, more coffee, Hillary. Those are my superpowers in my mind is is connection and voice. And so when I put that together, the holistically speaking, the holistic approach of living, which is the whole body, and using my voice as a platform to share that, I really was blending my passion with my purpose. And that really is how that became my profession. And the brain candy side of things kind of fell in my lap because of the work I do as a havening techniques practitioner, which I'm sure we'll get into But in my mind, I think that every day we have little pieces of candy that we put in our little mental health candy toolbox, which is like things that bring you joy. What do you need in your life that is going to spark joy? And those are the things that release the happy chemicals in the brain, the oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine. You know, it doesn't have to be anything big. It could be as small as just a mindful meditation, taking a walk, petting your cat, taking the kid out for a playground trip, eating your favorite food. But going deeper is the kind of work I do as the mental health practitioner, which is havening and hypnotherapy and doing that kind of work. And that's the all-in brain candy, you know, sweetest ways to be kind to your mind, basically. 
Love it. So I Googled havening, but I want you to explain it because the term is new to me and I love learning new things and I love incorporating new self-care techniques into my regimen. So I'm excited. Tell us about it. Sure. So havening is a psychosensory approach, which means it uses one of the senses, right? The sense of touch. And we need touch, ladies. We need touch every person on this planet. The minute they come out of the mother's womb, where do they put you? They put you in the arms of your mother. And basically what it is, is like that touch is... That's the love hormone. You know, oxytocin is the love hormone that's released when we give someone a hug, which is part of my program, Hug It Out, meaning that we have to be kind to our mind, be kind to ourselves. And what havening is, is it's a psychosensory approach that uses touch, havening touch, and pleasant distraction, which could be like thinking about something that brings you joy, a vacation, humming a song or a tune, something like that. And when you pair those pleasant distractions with the havening touch, you release what I just mentioned about the happy chemicals, the oxytocin, the serotonin, and the dopamine. And what that does is it puts your brain in what they call a delta wave state. And delta waves are the slowest moving brain waves. That's your sleep state. That's where you are in happy mode, right? So when you are putting your brain in a delta state, delta waves, that's where you can bring about the sense of calm. Because nothing good and no good decision can ever be made when your brain is in havoc mode. We call it CPR for the amygdala, basically, or Amy. We call the amygdala Mm. Amy. And think about it. When you are in upset as a kid, when you take a fall, you go to mom, mom hugs you, says, it's going to be okay. And what we need more of are hugs and personal hugs. So that in itself, CPR for the amygdala, is saying you're going to be okay. And knowing you have the tool to be kind to your mind and put the power of emotional well-being in your own hands. I love this. It's such a palpable way to bring yourself out of fight or flight. (laughs) And I think that we all struggle, especially with this day and age. And the three of us, we all live in the Northeast in like the city area, you know. And so we're bombarded with so much on a regular basis. And I think that it's so important to have something literally at your fingertips to help yourself kind of like get out of that fight or flight mode. I also just love anything kind of like sciency based in totally. neuroscience. I mean, and oxytocin, you're like speaking my language. I just, I love science. I've never heard the amygdala nicknamed Amy. It's a great idea. I, yes. I hadn't either before I started doing the work in Havening and how I fell into it, which I always say that life is a falling into. You know, we try to be like, what's my purpose? What do I need to do? Where do I need to go? And I remember even talking to you, Julia, when you were on the fence about IIN. I'm like, you know what, girl, just go with your gut. What are you living? How do you want to live your life? And these are the kind of things that are falling into, which was kind of how Havening fell in my lap, just from meeting somebody at an event. And I'm like, and it wasn't like an event, like, a therapy event or something. It was a 50th birthday party at a bar in New York City, you know, and we just had a mutual friend. But the idea of Amy, it just makes her feminine. It makes it a feminine. And a lot of times I'll have people ask me, how's it different from tapping? How's it different from EMT or EMDR or EFT, EMDR? It's, I see it as more of a feminine because you know, it's more of a soothing, a self-soothing approach. It's like you're washing your hands, like a gentle touch with your hands or giving yourself a hug, crossing your arms and just gently crossing your arms and, and going from the shoulders down to your elbow or on your face, like you're giving yourself a nice facial or washing your face gently. That re- releases the oxytocin, serotonin, the dopamine. And that's where you're saying, hey, Amy, it's going to be okay. And when you give her an identity, 
it's less sciencey, mm, right? Yeah, right. We think amygdala. What is that? Is that like the hippocampus? Is that like the da da da? Like all the you know, some people don't think in science mode. So make it something personal. And I'll tell my clients all the time, who's Amy to you? Is it your kitty cat? Is it your child? Is it your inner child? Who needs the nurturing right now? Take it one step further. Make your amygdala something or someone that needs you in this moment. That makes I love that sense. idea. Yeah, I it love makes the it idea. much more accessible. Yes, yes. Yeah. And personifying it too, because we're our toughest critics. We're hardest on ourselves and giving ourselves an opportunity to identify this part of your body that's so important as as another human, you're more likely to treat it better than you treat yourself <laughs> because that's just the way that we're wired, Bingo. unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That default setting. Yeah. We live there. We live in the fight or flight mode. We're conditioned to do that as animals. What's the danger around us? That the ideas, and I love saying this, and I've I've learned this just in my work, that you know, it's almost like a stoplight. Like the red is that dorsal part of our brain. There's the parasympathetic and the sympathetic is like fight or flight. But we want to spend, hi, honey. My kitty's like, hey, <laughs> did you hear that? I did. Eliza, yes. Eliza loves to step in. Hi, are you my cohort here? Come on, baby. But we live in the yellow. And where we want to be is living in the yellow and the green, like that ventral state, rather than the yellow and the red, which is like, danger, danger, I'm going to die, right? So it's mm -hmm. up to us to find that soothing space and kind of live in even Steven with more of the green happening in our lives. I love it. So I want to talk about something completely unsciency related. We're going to yeah. switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about dating. <laughs> On the show, we've talked about how both Ellie and I found our, our person, you know, later uh -huh. in life, Ellie having her first baby in her late 30s, and I didn't get married until I was 41. You're 49 and divorced. Talk to us about the good, the bad, and the ugly of dating in your 40s. Well, let me just be completely transparent. Hillary is 49 and twice divorced. Okay. And I'm okay with that. And we'll get into that because I know that you have some questions for me too. Dating is interesting. And it's a different part of my life because, I mean, dating when I was in my 20s in college and how I met my first husband, there was no online. There was no swipey, swipey and this and that, you know, click left, click right. I don't even know if there was Ugh. clicking, if there was internet back then. I think it was like, chis <laughs> I think it was no. like chisel no. rock, choose, <laughs> choose caveman on left. <laughs> no, I remember like the LAN, the local right. area network or yeah, something. Like, it was, everything was DOS. Yeah. Or, yeah, or maybe you'll meet somebody in like, what is it called? Like Apple chat. What was it back then? It was like a oh chat my room thingy. God, I have no yes, idea. Chat rooms. Yeah, chat something rooms. like that. I mean, I met my first ex-husband when I was in college and that was one thing. And he's a, he's a great guy. And we lasted 10 years and I grew so much in that relationship. And he was Air Force, military. We lived a military life, which is very different, very difficult when you have your own career. And the second time, you know, that one, and the reason why I'm prefacing with this is because this changed my idea of dating because second one I did meet online second one not so great second one short-lived I thought it was going to be the man of my life in my 40s or just turning 40 I found my one and it was a narcissistic very abusive gaslighting manipulative relationship and I'm so glad I got out of it when I did which was not long after the marriage but also it propelled me forward to say how do I want to do this how do I want to do this? Who do I want to show up as and be? And for dating when you're in your 40s, mid to late 40s, I have not been back on any apps. I don't do the social media apps. I've met people really organically. 
And I found that, you know, the kind of people that I want to date, they need to align with my energy. I don't just align with theirs. And it's very important that we realize that, and maybe these are things we don't realize when we're younger. So much of the time we're trying to, oh, all right, I can like that. I can do that. Mm, And it doesn't mm -hmm. mean you don't compromise. That compromise is so important. Go outside your comfort zone a little bit. Maybe he wants to do something or she wants to do something, you know, whatever relationship you're in and you want to try something different, be okay with that. But you learn to say no to others if it means saying yes to yourself. And if it doesn't align with who you are, Mr. or Miss Right just might not be Mr. or Miss Right for you. Right. Right. So dating's been interesting, especially since the pandemic, because I was seeing somebody for some time and it was somebody I knew. And it's interesting, every person that I've actually been out with or gone on dates with, which hasn't been a lot because pandemic, I mean, you know, and my, I only was divorced probably, well, the finalization of it was actually during pandemic, which is a whole other story. But it has been meeting people organically, or I've known them from circles that were similar to what I do. And that's nice because you start aligning with people and you don't have to constantly be on the apps. Just do what you enjoy and people will gravitate to that same space. And you're like, oh, we have something in common, you know? Tell me if you feel this way. I have a very close friend who's 51 and divorced and kind of like diving back into post-pandemic dating. And she's also someone who has been on a journey of therapy and reading lots of self-help books and evolving and becoming aware of her own patterns and things. And she's finding it really hard to trust herself almost because she knows too much Do you know what I'm saying? She's so self-aware and she knows what her patterns are so much that she's having a hard time distinguishing between feeling and knowing. And I wonder if you, as someone who is also evolved and, you know, reads a lot and is in touch with these kinds of things, if you have a similar struggle. Absolutely. I mean, we are constantly in that inner bully self-doubt mode and we have to remind ourselves, who do we want to show up as? And I remember when my second marriage dissolved, thinking to myself, I just don't know how to pick them, which is so awful because my first husband is such a wonderful person. And it was just the time and and growing. Sometimes we grow out of relationships that we need, right? So I don't want to discount that relationship or any relationship I've had in my life. You know, from any dating, they all matter. They all bring us to where we are. So when you sure. go when you go into that place of like self-doubt and like, I don't know how to pick them. Maybe I just don't have a good, you know, I'm not putting out the right radar. We start blaming ourselves. Oh, goodness, ladies, please stop. Please stop. Please stop. <laughs> because, because maybe it's just like, it's a light saying, hey, be aware of this. Because this first step in any change is awareness. I say that all the time to my clients. You're not going to make any kind of change or evolve unless you're aware that a change or an evolution needs to happen, right? So that's the same thing with dating. You know, if someone has been out of something that's pretty extensive, and I have that a lot with clients, like these women that have been married for 25 years and suddenly they're in a divorce situation, and they're like, I don't know how to do this. What's wrong with me that my husband and I couldn't stay together, right? It's not about you. It's about the we, first of all, the conscious choice to dissolve something on that level and learn from it and realize, okay, the time for self-healing is really important because this is a new journey about me, not about anybody else. 
and trust your gut and your intuition. And you know what? Just have fun because you said feeling and doing. What did you say? She's in her feelings and she's in her, what else did you say, Al? Kind of in her head, you know, like analyzing it at the same time as feeling it and then like not being able to know what's what. Just be. Like we're in such a state of doing and feeling and that's not going to go away. But just like stop treating everything as like, is this the one? And I get in that state too. Like I have a really, I have really good conversations with my closest friends about this. And I have to be reminded, like I'll start analyzing the person and it's, Rather than seeing that person as your next one, just enjoy the date. Just enjoy the conversation. I mean, if you totally mm-hmm. don't align with line with the person, don't go. But it might just be a friend, you know? It, right. And I've heard women say, I don't need more friends. I'm like, why would you stop a friendship from happening? I get what they're saying. Right. But you just never know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. trust your gut. Trust your instincts. If it doesn't feel right, you know. You know, your gut is like a Doppler radar. I say that all the time. You're not going to go out with an, out an umbrella if it looks like rain. So why would you do the opposite with your own environment? That's a great point. Yeah. All right. I want to bring it back to our favorite subject, which is perimenopause. <laughs> right. So you spend a lot of time in front of the camera. So how have these hormonal shifts affected your ability to perform on live TV or whatever broadcast it is that you're engaged in? I just had this happen yesterday because I had my crew from one of the shows that I host come to my place and, you know, you have all the lights on you and stuff. And I'm like, really? We're going to add more heat? Really? (laughs) (laughs) And that was minor. Like, I just had to turn my lights off, my lights right here because it was getting a little warm. But there is a level where you have to just take a step back. I do a lot of breathing exercises. I do the havening constantly. In fact, I just did a social media post about it, like how the hormones kick in and we start getting the hot flashes. And you know, when you have hot flashes, you know, the real one thing you really want is more heat on you. (laughs) (laughs) And And if you know anything about these lights, sometimes it feels like you're in like, what are those? Stuck in a laser beam. Oh my gosh. It's, it's like, like one of those, those old tanning booths. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it'll come at like no time and it lasts a couple seconds and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm okay. So I just like go in a very mindful state, a lot of breathing, bringing my nervous system down a little bit, my breathing. If I'm really hot, I mean, I, <laughs> layers definitely seem to be the new thing, but you just really have to be in a mindset. And I would I imagine you know this, Ellie, you know, just from doing the work as well. Yeah. I mean, I will say I am taking the birth control pill continuously to sort Mm. of delay and stave off what started to Mm. peak, what some of the symptoms that started to peak into my life. And I know there's, you know, mixed feelings, mixed opinions on whether or not a person should do that or whatever, but I'm 45. I think when I'm 50, they're going to kick me off of it. And then, you know, we'll see what happens. So I haven't had to be in a performing situation where I melt But I was just listening to an episode of the podcast Hysteria, where Alyssa Mastromonaco told a story of being under the lights in an interview situation with celebrities. I think somebody like Christina Applegate was sitting right next to her in her anecdote. And she physically melted, like was like drips were pouring down her face. And thankfully, Christina Applegate is a human being who turned to her and was like, girl, like, I got you. I know exactly what you're going through. I'll give you some tips. And, you know, that humanizing of it Mm -hmm. made her feel like she didn't have to 
hide it. You know, it's, it's also, it's that moment. Do you guys remember that episode of Sex in the City where Samantha is going through medically induced, I think. Mm, yeah, probably She's got cancer, cancer yeah. and she's going through, and she's got a wig on and she's standing in front of people making a speech and she starts to melt and That's she right. just rips off the yeah. wig in front of everybody and all the women in the audience <laughs> give her a standing ovation because it's this idea that stop hiding it, stop making it a secret, stop being ashamed of it. Have the wherewithal to say, guess what? I'm having a hot flash. And if there's a sweat drip running down my face right now, excuse me while I get my rag and just dab at this. <laughs> it will pass momentarily. Okay, now let's move on. You know, and I understand there aren't always situations where you can do that. Obviously, if you were like, I don't know, moderating a presidential debate, you'd have to keep it under wraps. But I wish that in more circumstances, we could, as you know, public figures, whatever it be, point to it. And normalize it. Yes. And make people feel okay about it because, yeah, we shouldn't be ashamed. It's so universal. You hit the nail on the head. We are so used to, and this goes back to us being teenagers. I mean, the body shaming, the body image, it's internal and external. And we need to be a sisterhood here, girls, ladies I listening. Agree. We are a sisterhood. We are, I mean, this goes back to like the red tent. We are yeah. supposed to be together in this and be like, girl, you need a tampon. I got one for you. You know, like, what can I do? Sit down for a moment. You need some water. This is not a shameful thing. This is a beautiful part of the the body process. This is our circle of life. And while it might be uncomfortable and and it can feel uncomfortable emotionally, we should not be shamed by it or feel embarrassed by it, but rather be like, I need a little uh, support here. Who's Who's got me? Yeah. And every yeah. woman should be standing up being like, I will straighten your freaking crown if you need me to. I've never had really a real uncomfortable situation because, quite frankly, this whole hot flash thing just started about a month ago. Wow. (laughs) Like, happy. Oh, my God. I'm like, this is the – I just had a birthday. I'm like, so this is the gift that keeps on giving? (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) I mean, I'm like – I seriously was like – I came back from Florida because I was down there helping my aunt move down there. I come back and within a couple weeks – I had my first hot flash. And here's the humor of the things. I mean, I I was kind of seeing somebody and, you know, I went into this like high school ABC after school special mode where I didn't get my period and I suddenly was like buying 12 different pregnancy tests. Yep. 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 Are you kidding me? Like I, I know. Have a, I have a picture of like every brand on my on my bathroom sink thinking, "Are you kidding me, Hillary? Like is this the worst after school special ever?" But it was so hilarious. Ellie and I just had the similar conversation <laughs> with me because I was having a similar moment and I was telling her that I went to the drugstore and I'm walking down the aisle and I'm about to buy a pregnancy test and I was like, nope, you know better. I was like, don't waste your money on this crap. And I went into the other aisle and I bought like my feminine products because I was like, it's coming. I can feel it. Stop doubting yourself. I know it's real, real, real late. But you know it, like, trust your body, you know it's coming. And sure enough, I went home and it happened. It's the same thing, like, with yeah. pregnancy. Don't they say, like, a lot of people will, will adopt and then they have yes. their first child? Yes. 
by just regular having sex, intercourse, because the body stress is different. We stress ourselves out. You're not going to get your period. Now, listen, I'm not sure. I I haven't had it in a couple months now. It's been a while. And I've been pretty regular. I mean, living holistically, I don't have heavy periods, but I haven't had it in a while. So I went into kind of like that semi-panic mode. And then here's the scary part. I had a positive. I had a positive test. I took one test. It was negative. Then I took a second test and it was positive. What? <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm like, what? And I'm, I'm going to be open about this because it's kind of funny. But these things, I've never in my life had a positive, but it was a no. faulty test. Yeah. So what it do happens. I do? And then I went and I, and I called my best friend. I'm like, it's positive. I'm 49 years old. What am I going to do? And she's like, breathe, take a breath. And then I went out and I bought every brand there was, you know, and had my little lineup. And then I booked uh, an appointment with my yes. GYN, like my functional Good. medicine doctor. And it was the most hysterical visit that I've ever had at the doctor. Because I'm like, <laughs> are, you, are you sure I'm not pregnant? Are you sure? Are you sure? She's like, like, I can't do any more tests on you without like opening right. you up. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's like, you're not pregnant. And I'm like, okay, just want to make sure. Because I got to make some different kind of choices in my life. And I'm going to this. I mean, it was an ABC after school special. Yeah. yeah. No, that one positive will mess with your oh, Oh, yeah. And it, and it happens. And my girlfriend, Jenny, said, she goes, what brand did you buy? And I was like, I don't know. It was like Walgreens. She's like, okay, that's where you don't buy anything on the low right. shelf. Generic. No <laughs> generic. On She's brand. Like, Go right. on brand for the pregnancy test. So I took test. like yeah. six tests after that or something. Oh and they were all negative. And I think it was because like I did it late in the day. I wasn't really paying attention. You know, I, maybe I didn't even pee on it. I don't know. You know, maybe or it was just a faulty test, which we've all come to know can happen. I mean, look at what goes on with like the COVID testing. Oh, yeah. Like ra- or like yeah. the rapid tests. Like you take one, you are. You take one, you're not. And then you are. I mean, so this, it's not a perfect, you know, it's like at home kit situation, but it really is it. And they were, and there were two in the box and one was negative and one was positive. <laughs> God. <laughs> you need to write a strongly word letter, strongly worded letter to, that, to that pregnancy test company. You know, you know who's also not going to endorse either of our podcasts? Walgreens. Walgreens. <laughs> Walgreens. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay, okay with, with it, it too. <laughs> so it happens. So, it happens. Hillary, switching gears yet again to a segue that makes no sense. I would like to talk about trauma, which is such oh, a fun subject. We're like, ha, 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 ha. You know, you've spoken about your first kind of like adult traumatic moment mm-hmm. being a news anchor reporting on the day of 9-11, which is a very unique experience in my view. And I've learned, if I've learned anything through my work in Pilates and of course through IIN, it's that we carry trauma in different ways. And of course you've discovered this through Havening, you know, obviously, Mm. but something you talk about a lot and something that really resonated with me at IIN is the idea of understanding these stories we tell ourselves, right? That it really is a narrative and we have the power to change that narrative. Can you speak to the idea of trauma and rewriting your own narrative and how you help clients discover that? Yeah, I'm sitting with that one for a second because every time I hear it, even though I stand by it every day, it resonates with me every day because honestly, we have to work on our own traumas and trauma lives in our body you know, and it always is with us, everything, you know, the minute we go through something, it's not that it goes away when we get therapy, or we we work through it in our body, it stays with us, we have to constantly remind ourselves that that's part of our story. 
what we need to do is change the narrative. Be the author of your own life, not to get all cliche, but it really is this. So there are going to be different parts of your life that show up at different times. When I think about, you know, the 9-11 situation as being that first adult situation where I probably experienced trauma. And look, I wasn't in New York like my colleagues. I wasn't I wasn't down in on ground zero when it happened. I was 1,500 miles away from home on an anchor desk where my entire family was in New York. So that separation was traumatic for me. Being on the news desk at you know, 29 years old, having to report on things that I had no idea what was going on and seeing things on the news feed that were released because it was live. And I don't even know if they've released those things yet. Yeah, yeah. How do I have the tools to know how to process this? You know, I was covering like, you know, tomato festivals and, you know, I was living in Louisiana. I was covering maybe a homicide here and there and city council meetings where I just wanted to like, Kill me. <laughs> and things like that. And I was a, uh, at that time, I was a consumer reporter. So those were a lot of my stories. I didn't have to deal with a life changing event, nor did any of us. But having to be someone that s- sat there on the set and then had to find people in the community that were attached to the New York situation happening was <sighs> like, it changed me. And and my dad was actually supposed to be in the North Tower that day. And I think that's like a residual to it as well. My father was a disabled amputee, you know, a criminal defense attorney, had a deposition in the North Tower that morning at nine. He's the one that told me too, the, uh, get to work now, there's something happening. He called me at like 8.55 that morning. And He's like, something's happening in the city, and I was supposed to go in this morning, but we changed it, but you need to get to work right away. And I turn on the TV, and he's like, just turn on today's show. I hear Katie Couric and Matt talking, and I thought it was a movie at some point. And I was at my news desk in a meeting, like, the fastest I've ever driven. Like, I seriously was – I've never driven that fast in my life to get to the news station. And being handed scripts, watching the news feed, I mean, it was very traumatic for me. I knew my dad was okay because he's the one that called me and said, get to work early. But my, I had no idea where anybody else was. And, you know, cell phones were down. Everything was not working. And my entire life is in New York, you know. So it was very scary to me to be far away and not be part of it with them, but have to be that bearer of news. And that woke me. Yeah, that woke me. Plus, at the time, ladies, I was married to a military guy. Right. Unbelievable. Right. Who was on the base where Bush came from Florida from reading to the kids in kindergarten, remember? Mm-hmm. Yes. And he was mm-hmm. he was told by his his guy. They flew him to the Air Force Base I was living at, which is Barksdale Air Force Base in Shreveport, Louisiana at the time. But I wasn't even on the base. I was at the news station about an hour away. So I didn't know where my husband was. I, I thought that was going to be the – that was the next place they were going to hit once we found out it was potentially – Yeah, nobody knew. A, right. Potentially terrorism. So, okay, my whole family's in New York and I could potentially lose my husband. Like I was in trauma mode I didn't, and I had no tools to know how to deal with that. And I wasn't able to go home. You know, they wouldn't let anybody on the base. So it was very difficult and the time following that. And yeah, I mean, going back to what you're saying, it's that was the first time I'm like, the kind of stories I want to tell, I don't want them to be death and destruction anymore. How can I help people heal? How can I give people a call to action or a takeaway that that can make a big difference? That was always the way I was anyway, because I worked for PBS as well. That's the kind of amplifier and a storyteller I want to be. You know, that's really where it's worked so beautifully because in the healing, 
has become growing and has allowed me to find where I fall well in this work, which is using my voice to amplify, holding space for others to do the same. And in the private work, I mean, it works so beautifully as a journalist. I've been holding space for people to tell stories for 25, 30 years, right? Find the source, find the source, tell the story. Now I'm just holding space more intimately with my clients. Tell your story. Okay, let's get comfortable with this. How do you want to change how you look at that? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then my podcast as well, holistically speaking, it's holding space for people to tell their traumas to triumphs and how they found the healing through, through humor and through their own personal health journey. So it's so interesting because the concept of like the stories we tell ourselves has come up a lot in my life lately with my Vedic meditation teacher, with my therapist, lots of things. And I've recognized a pattern in the way my own self-talk, the way I can fixate on something. And just the other day, I'm like applauding myself to you. Just the other day, I, I saw a friend I hadn't seen in a while and she was asking me about something and I that involved another woman that was had a little bit of some petty undertones. And I started to say, Ugh, it's a whole thing. It's a whole story. And then I corrected myself and I said, you know what? It's actually not a whole thing. It's really simple. You know, this thing happened and I just didn't go and it's really not that big of a deal. And I like changed the story, stopped thinking about it, didn't turn it into gossip. Didn't, And I felt like that was a huge victory because... I stopped it at the source and that's, you know, after a pattern of many, many years of falling into the same habits of not only the stories you tell yourselves, but the way you spin them for other people. Mm-hmm. I felt really good about that. And I, I hope I can do that more. Well, it also Yay gives you. you your power back. Yeah. Right. It puts the there power back in your hands, which is the, right. the part that I really enjoy. But I think yeah. even with you and I, Ellie, like we, we were really good at like pulling each other in when we, because we're mm-hmm. work wives, we're good yep. at like dialing each other back in when we're spinning out. That's right. You know, right. and I think- We do it for each other. We do it's it for really each good. other, which is really nice. So doing it for yourself is great, but also being able to provide the service for others, I think yes. is also very important. Yeah. We need yeah. a tribe. We need our sisterhood. We need our Moai, right? But we also <laughs> need to be the tribe leader. Yeah. Right? Yes. For ourselves. And that's so great that you did that, Ellie, because I think we all go there. You know, we somebody doesn't call us back and we instantly create this story like, oh, what, did I piss them off? Are they mad? What did I say? You know, and we're always going into trauma mode. We always are, you know, no matter what the little upsets, there's big T and little T traumas, right? Mm-hmm. So we have the upsets that happen, which is what's so beautiful about Havening, because you can do it with just the everyday upsets and then with the deep rooted traumas that really live with us. But it's taking that step back and holding space for yourself, taking a deep breath and being like, who's showing up right now? Is this the eight-year-old that wasn't heard? Is -hmm. this the 12-year-old that was sitting at the lunch table and maybe she was by herself and the the little girls next to you were laughing? Is this the girl that the boyfriend broke up with her? And like, who is showing up right now? You've got to embrace that inner child. I love doing inner child work because, I mean, that's where I see so many breakthroughs. And I have to remind myself myself, like, who is it little Hillary showing up right now? How old are you? What are you telling yourself? Is this true? I mean, it's that whole thing of like, is it thoughtful? Is it kind? Is it true? That whole, the think system, it works for you as well. And that's awesome that you did that, Ellie. Thanks. It's empowering too, right? (laughs) Thanks. I just want to give you, yay you. Gold star for my mental health that day. I can't speak for any other day, but on that day and that moment, I did a good job. And you know what? That day matters. It It does. It does. 
Hillary, thank you so much for being so open with us. We could continue to talk with you all day because it's so good, but we've reached the end of the episode, haven't we, Julia? We have, which means it's time for (gasps) the final four. The final four is a list of questions at the close of the show, which we ask each and every guest. Hillary, are you ready? Yes, I looked over them, but I try to be organic because, you know, life changes yeah. every day, right? Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no memorization, no. In, you know, like required no. here. So no. yeah. question number one, what do you wish you understood at 30 that you know now? You know, I had a whole different answer I was going to tell you when I looked over that. And I, I have to say, when you ask somebody a question, you can't be upset with the answer they give you. Mm. Because you asked the question. And I had a real habit of getting into wanting somebody's advice. And if I didn't like what I heard, I would not be happy with them. God, that's great. That's great advice, Hillary. We have never heard that one before. That's a good one. That one sits with me. And I'm going to give credit to my first ex-husband, David, who I would be like, I get my, you know, retired Air Force guy, David, if you're listening, which I told you. (laughs) (laughs) oh he's such a good guy though we got into an argument i remember him being like don't ask me the question if you're not willing to hear the answer and i'm like oh yeah okay that makes sense and it resonated with me till this day that's amazing what you don't know about David is that he has grown and changed since your relationship, and he's really a huge fan of Paramenopausal Podcast, so he probably is listening. <laughs> it's really the – it's his, his new fetish. <laughs> hobby, whatever you want to call it. Question two. I'm going to send that to him. What, yes. What do you have an abundance of? Love. That's great. Yeah. There's no simple That's it. Word. That's all. Just going to leave it at that. I like it. Question number three, what part of your body are you most proud of and why? Internal or external? Doesn't matter. Whatever you want. I'm very proud of my brain. I was waiting for Amy. I was like, Amy, well, she's in there. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could get really physical about this and I'm like, oh, you know, I got the boobs or the butt. I'm like, I don't want to go there because my body's ever changing as is my brain, but I feel like I've done so much beautiful work on my mind and being open and expansive, not just as a practitioner, you know, it doesn't matter what courses I take, what LMNOPs are after my name, of which I need a bit, I need smaller font every time I feel like I take another certification. (laughs) You know, it's like more stuff on my business card. It's really about me and the growth. And I have to say that how I deal with things and how I approach things is different because my brain and I are good friends, my body Mm. and my brain. Yeah. I'm really good friends with my brain. Was that our first brain, Julia? Yes. You were our first brain, Hillary, and I am thrilled. I like it. Me too. Question four, what single piece of advice would you give to the next generation of women to prepare them for the transitional changes to come? The advice I would give women that are going through this, which I'm relatively new to it as well for talking about perimenopause and menopause, is be okay being uncomfortable or being comfortable in the uncomfortable. Be okay with this part of your journey because we're all going through it and we're all in this together and just know that you're 
beautiful and smart and talented and everything that you're doing is exactly the way it's supposed to be happening. Gorgeous. Perfect. Good ones today, Ellie. Dropping knowledge. Gems. Yeah. Gems. Gold. Total By gold. the way, I was sharing that also with myself because I have to huh. remind myself of that. Yeah. God, I know that feeling. Again, easy mm-hmm. to tell other people the things, hard to take it yourself, especially as a coach, as you know, when you're like constantly giving people like permission to feel things and do all the stuff. And then you're like, oh, I need to tell myself that today. I forgot. Oh, so true, Julia. And I have to say this. I say this a lot on my podcast as well. And it's a reminder. Every time I sit in session with a client, man, the universe is is amazing. But every time I'm sitting with a client and I'm going through something maybe prior to, and I have to put myself in that mindful state before I'm sitting there and supporting them, Nine times out of ten, something comes up that they're that there's it's their presenting issue that I had just been through, or I, it's a learning lesson for me. And I let my clients know that because I want to put the tools in their hands to empower themselves, not just with havening, but mindfully. Like what you just said, just taught me something. So thank you. And I say the same thing with the podcast. Every person I have on my podcast, including you two ladies, is like a master class for me because I can't know everything. So I am so happy to be in a world where there's so many different dynamics so that I can have a takeaway as well. Beautiful. Well, we have a bonus question, Hillary. Of course you do. (laughs) Yes, we do. Here it comes. I have to give a shout out to Dan Butner, the author of a book called Blue Zones, which is a study of communities around the world who have the largest of the populations of centurions, which are people living into their hundreds, for those of you who don't or are not familiar with this. So, Hillary, I know you've had him on your pod, and I also became a fan of his through his talk at IIN. But if you could pick one blue zone to live in, where would it be? I feel like I endorse Dan so much. People are going to think that I have like this major, I need a restraining order against him. Uh. <laughs> my, to, like a, two weeks ago on my podcast, he came up and I just have to start sending him these clips because I'm like, Dan, you are mentioned more on anything that has to do with me. Like, I feel like I should be his agent. Okay, going back to the question. And listeners, if you are not familiar, you should read this, his, his oh, books. Just, his, like all his books. He's amazing. His I books, mean, this is yeah. like, you know, he's a journalist by trade. The one blue zone I would really like to live in. Oh, gosh, Julia. It's a hard one. I know. So see? hard. Because like the blue zones are expanding too. So are you talking mm-hmm. about the original five? Let's go with the original five just okay, to narrow so- it down. Yeah, for you. Okay, so I would have to say, I mean, look, the original five, there's only one in the States, and that's in Loma Linda, California, right? Yep. Which sounds really beautiful and interesting to me, but we're going to bump it up a notch, and there's a part of me that would love to live in Sardinia, Italy. (laughs) Ooh, yeah. I mean, I I have Italian roots on my dad's side, and I've never been to Italy. I feel like that's going to revoke my Italian card, but Ah. Italy and Greece are on my bucket lists. So, yeah, I'd have to say, because I've been to Costa Rica, which is beautiful, but there's a part of me, like, if I'm going to connect to my own, my own lineage, I think Italy would be a cool place to be. If I had to go stateside, there's something that's really intriguing about Loma Linda, that Northern California kind of vibe, you know, but let's use some airplane miles and let's go to Italy. (laughs) I like it. I like it too. It's a great question. Lots of cheese and pasta and deliciousness. And wine. Yeah, that's good for the hormones. (laughs) 
The cool thing about these areas, though, and not to say that cheese and pasta is a bad thing, because clearly they're living well into their 100s in these areas. Mm -hmm. These five areas of the blue zones, there is no chronic illness or disease. Yes. Yep. I have to read this. I don't know about this. Oh, look into the blue zones. It's going to be my next book. Yeah. It's based on nine principles. Yeah. People living, basically living and doing whatever they're wanting, eating whatever for the most part, and not having any of the things that we have. But the, the things that they do have are things that we don't have, I guess. Is that the best way to put it? Just like, uh, they they do, There's there are some habits they have that we just tend to not yeah, embrace. Yeah, it's, it's embrace. based on the nine principles, these power nine that Dan calls it. And it's basically having spirituality in your life, the moai, which is a Japanese term because that was the original blue zone, was in Okinawa. And it's finding community. It's, it's movement that doesn't include having to go to CrossFit, also another place that's not going to endorse me now. <laughs> Every time I like, I don't mean it in a negative way, but it's movement, it's daily movement, it's sustainability, it's it's coming together, it's having friendships that last, it's eating beans, it's drinking the wine, but it's not, it's living and not like, you know how sometimes they say we work to live or live to work? We live to work here. You know, yeah. like what's up yep. with that? You're working to live. Like you're the day is done, gone, the sun, home with family, home with friends. You know? Hello. It sounds um, like being a human being without all of the garbage bad garbage that yeah. human beings have invented yeah. to supposedly make our lives easier, which yeah. actually make us more anxious and stressed and not live until we're a hundred. That's exactly there you right. Go. Okay, yeah. I don't need to read the book, but I will. <laughs> And now I say, to learn more about Hillary Russo and the work that she does, and to see some clips of her working hard on Daily Burn, please go to her website at hillaryrusso.com, which we will post along with her social media handles in our show notes. Additionally, we will provide a link to a free guided self-havening Hug It Out session video on havening and hormones. Hillary, thanks again. This was so great. Loved this having you. This was great. This was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. And ladies, you are a joy. So thank you for holding space for me and allowing me to share and be part of the sisterhood, right? Love it. Love it. And in case you missed us being interviewed by Hillary on Holistically Speaking, we obviously recommend that. The episode dropped on May 4th, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts, or just check our link tree. Havening might be my new self-care obsession. Oh, me too. I look forward to trying it and reporting back. It's sure to be better than my calming beverage experiment. For sure. Listeners, are there any self-care methods that you would like us to take a deeper dive into? Would it be like maybe meditation, acupuncture, some other thing that we may not have heard of yet? We are here to find the experts who can tell us about these things, so don't be shy. Hit us up on social media or email us at info at circlingthedrainpodcast.com. And now I'd like to end the show with quotes from one of our favorite classic shows, The Golden Girls. Mine is from Sophia, who said... People waste their time pondering whether a glass is half empty or half full. Me? I just drink whatever's in the glass. That was not a very good Sophia impression, but I'm not even going to pretend I was trying. No, I don't think you were, which was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your quote from? My quote is from Rose, which is just perfect because the brain fog, I think, was strong with her. (laughs) And I think that we, I feel very aligned with Betty White in that respect. Not Mm -hmm. her as a person, because Betty White was clearly a unicorn. Sharp as a tack. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a quote from Rose from the Golden Girls. My mother used to say, the older you get, the better you get, unless you're a banana. 
amazing wisdom. Yeah. This episode was produced by me, Ellie Dvorkin Dunn. And me, Julia Granaki. We feel your pain. You're not insane. You haven't gone down. You're just circling the drain. 